Hello and welcome to Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel. Joining me as always is Curtis. How are you doing over there? I'm doing good. I'm yeah. uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about the Seahawks in 2023. Yeah. I'm happy that they're going to bring Gino back and, uh, you know, they're going to figure out uh, the front seven of that defense uh, this coming year. It feels okay. It'll be like fun. I said, we were playing with house money. It, it was fun just to be there. Yeah. The fucking 49ers. Yeah, for a while, we hung around. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Scared them a little bit, and then they That's woke right. up. Right. <laughs> woke up out of their pot nap. <laughs> and then we got Millie. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Doing good. Yeah. And Alana. Doing all right. Right. Yeah um yeah that was a fun game uh here's the thing i think that game was a little bit closer than that final score indicates like if it wasn't for three costly mistakes you know kind of um in that second half um that that score you know that's a that's a closer game than it should have been but a fumble and um you know kind of took the momentum all away yeah, the um the uh the the calls on um Damian Lewis uh seemed to spark a fair amount of uh controversy. Um, Here's the thing that bothered me about that game. That first half, the refs were letting the players play and I loved it. They were letting the players play physical. Uh you know, they weren't calling like ticky-tack calls. It was football that I liked. And then in that second half, they started calling like a bunch of bullshit ticky tack calls. I, 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 I hate the ineligible receiver downfield call. I think it's bullshit. And those were the worst of the ticky tack. And I don't know why, like suddenly there was an emphasis on that in the second half, but it totally swung that game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It swung that game as much as sadly the fumble. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and it could be argued that the fumble wouldn't have existed if uh, if that ineligible um, penalty hadn't been called, right? Like, was it was it Fair that enough. one, or or was it a false start? There was a penalty that sent him back. Uh, the I think the um, the wasn't that one of our two the, yard the, rules? The the, uh, the illegal. Uh, down the field call on Lewis negated a play that would have put Seattle at the six yard like, line, right near the goal line, uh, which, you so know, they start feeding it to canine. Yeah. Carol made a big point about that today in his appearances on the radio and with the press conferences that, 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 that was because it was being asked about, you know, that yeah. was sort of had sort of been the thing talked about a lot on the radio, I think. And, um, his response was interesting. It was just like, you know, it was like something that, you know, the league was emphasizing more of on the run pass option plays coming in. So the players are sort of aware that this was happening. But on that particular play call, um, that wasn't that type of play that was occurring. So that was sort of like the tricky sort of hang up thing of like, that wasn't even like, that's a, that's a, that's that's an offensive lineman in motion selling the run to mm-hmm. sort of you know trick the defense but they can only go so far but that wasn't 
yeah, it was just sort of like it's he was basically sort of painting a scenario where that there's 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 room to uh, suggest that um, that would be something that maybe another officiating crew would sort of let slide in that moment. Right. Sort of thing like that. I think yeah. that the for me, when you get down to, to the core of it, um, I, I, I agree with you that it was closer than it, the final score indicated. But it also wasn't uh, like San Francisco came out in the second half and just said, we've been fucking around all game and you're not as good a team as we are. And so oh, we're going to sure. beat you. And so like, that's really where, so if we're talking about, you know, the, the bad calls from the refs, like I, and I would argue that two of those were legit. It just was weird that it was being called. Cause like, we haven't seen an emphasis on that and in, in the way that yeah. that um uh, re- uh officiating teams have been calling it like it just seemed to pop up in that game um to a certain degree uh the fact that we're left kind of saying that that could have turned the tide when in fact you know Zeno fumbled that and threw an interception later uh and then uh Lockett didn't do anything um throughout the game and we kind of were reliant entirely on dk uh for the game that's not a that's not our recipe for winning um at all and uh even though we had a really great first half the when uh oh god i can't remember who it was um the the player uh twisted debo's leg uh and it didn't get, didn't get called and it wasn't even was really Tariq. egregious it wasn't Tariq. Uh, it was it was somebody else. Um, uh, Abrams. It, yeah, Abrams. Oh, that's you. right. Um, the the Niners were like, we're not going to let little brother do that to us. We're winning this game. And so, like, what do you expect when you're the seventh seed? We were all excited about the game to happen, mm-hmm. but like spending time dissecting the calls and which way they went and whether they were reasonably called, like, we got beat. Like that's from my perspective, it's it's a good thing that we did uh, in this way because we now see what the gap is and we now see what we have to work on in a way. We got beat by this team three times and we played them differently each time and it didn't work. So back to the drawing board. Uh, and I think we can really build on that in 2023, um, which is something that I'm excited to do. Yeah, I'm not by any means saying that, like, the officiating decided this game um, uh, at all. Um, I, I actually, I was I was impressed by how well Seattle's offense was able to move the ball on the number one defense in the league mm-hmm. uh, yeah. on the road. Like, that was pretty impressive. Um, yeah, there was two turnovers, costly turnovers in the second half, but you know, those turnovers are happening when, um, you know, particularly the interception when um, uh, the 49er offense is scoring at will and driving at will and Seattle has to sort of get out of its preferred method of playing, you know, mixing run and pass and really just sort of passing at that point and stuff. Against a defense that is known to do exactly that, to get strip sacks and to uh, to get picks. Yeah. And time was running out at that point. I think Gino was just trying to make a play. At, at that point, I think Gino was like, uh, if 
we we make this pass or we lose this game. Like, it, it, you know, I'll, I'll thread it in. And if it gets intercepted, you know, uh, we were going to lose this game anyway. Um, well, the reality I, is, too, if you look at a lot of the, the ways in which we did handle their defense, I think we've given a map to other teams because uh, Bosa, right? Where was he? I mean, yeah. completely, completely held back from making a big impact on our offense. And that alone is a huge win and is something any other team that's going to play is going to be looking at how did that work? Yeah, and we, we did that with two really young guys playing their asses off. So I absolutely saw things that I loved and I was thrilled to see DK have the game he had because we all know that that's the player he can be and how good he is. And that and last that connection game, that he has played with him so tight. Gino couldn't get the ball and he's trying to force the ball, you know, all these things that was like so frustrating in that final game. And then we do this playoff game and it's, it's all working. And that was the first half, but then you're going to make those adjustments. And that is in, in this game, we needed Tyler and that interception that was headed for Tyler. I, I haven't listened to all the pressers and the explanations, but the way in which Tyler responded tells me he thinks he screwed it up. He wasn't quite in the right place. And that's, what it looked like. So he took it on himself. He internalized it. There was just this mood shift because they'd been so on top of everything that you could feel it shift away from them. And they just never got it back. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's too bad because the, the first half really was, it was fulfilling. And honestly, because of the first half, it didn't break my heart when we lost in the second and we got our asses handed to us because we played so well in the first, I yeah. don't think that, I don't think their defense was holding back necessarily, but I think they could make those adjustments for the second half once they realized how we were playing them. And that is what the better team can do is make second mm -hmm. half adjustments. I mean, that's, that's, that's football, right. Is adjusting when you're not, beating on all fronts so for me it was a game I could be proud of from a team that I didn't expect to make the playoffs that mm -hmm. I thought would win five games I am thrilled and impressed and I love all of these guys and I don't want any of them to go anywhere yeah I I would actually say like in that second half uh the Seahawks defense played pretty well they just couldn't finish like they were harassing Purdy pretty good they just couldn't get him like, like they just couldn't sack him. He was just getting away and making some plays um, that maybe a more disciplined team um, would actually finish the job. I watched uh, the game with my dad and he called, he called Purdy a slippery little critter. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we need pest control then. Right. And that was he's squirrely really though. I mean, he's really he good. Really I got I, I actually walked away from that game going like, cause I've been sort of on the fence about Purdy. It's been, sort of a fun story for them down there but I'm kind of like well he's got the best offensive line in the league and he's got like probably like the best overall collection of weapons in the league and he's got the number one defense in the league so how hard is it really for him right now to like step in I mean obviously he has the pedigree he was a four-year starter in college and they liked him enough during training camp and stuff but you know, and so all that I've been sort of dismissive about him. And then I watch this game and I'm just like, oh, no, they've got their quarterback. Like, this is their quarterback. For I, sure. You know, I, oh, I, I'd roll with them over Trey Lance. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. 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 Over Jimmy G? Sure. 
Uh, he's playing fast and loose out there too. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not often that you get a rookie who's just that relaxed um, and confident, but again, like it's a little bit easier to play relaxed and confident when everybody else around you is that good. Very um, 2012 Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I think, I think discipline was the key to that second half. The Niners had it and the Seahawks. Um, I don't want to say they didn't have it, but when they didn't have it, you know, some costly mistakes were made. And when you make those mistakes against a good and disciplined team, like the San Francisco 49ers, it's going to be real hard to win that game. Um, I, you know, playoffs in particular, it's the, the teams that go on that move on are well-coached and well-disciplined, you know? And I think we saw that all throughout the wild card. It was the teams that could make the adjustments. Uh, it was the teams that had good coaching uh, and, uh, you know, had, had, had disciplined teams. Um, even like, uh, you know, the, the Jacksonville game where Trevor Lawrence makes a bunch of mistakes and, um, they're really well-coached team. Doug Peterson is a good coach and he, he's the kind of coach that can bring a team back. You know, who's not a good coach, the coach of the chargers, you know, like, yeah, I mean, he's a bad, I mean, that's what you see in the playoffs, right? It's a bad coach versus a good coach. The good coach is probably going to win that game. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I'm not saying that Carol's a bad coach, but Shanahan's a good one. Carol's a good one. And it's all going to come down Have to they discipline. fired him yet. The Chargers coach. No, <laughs> no, but well, I was listening to, I was listening to ESPN radio and I was switching back and forth between ESPN radio and uh, Fox sports radio on my way down from Bellingham. Cause that's where I was on Saturday watching the games. And so I was hearing that whole outcome happen and between both the nationally syndicated sports radio stations that i was flipping back and forth with from um both sets of uh uh, sports radio hosts were talking about how brandon staley needed to get fired like asap and they need to go after uh what's his name sean payton sean payton oh sean payton lives in la and he wants to coach for the chargers like well, who wouldn't really uh, as a quarterback minded you know supposed guru want justin herbert on a rookie contract i mean it's like that's like an ideal spot for him that is but that would be a scary i think it's funny everybody wants payton so bad like <laughs> me too i totally agree with you like oh cool he made it to the super bowl twice and like and then the last six years of his career he was like sitting at seven and nine couldn't get into the playoffs like he's the 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 amount that a head coach who has already had an established career in the nfl can change its team it's fairly limited. What we see when teams change is the McVeighs. We see the Brian Dables. We see these first-time head coaches. We see the Dan Campbells. We see the um, uh, the uh, Mike McDaniel's. All these right now. That's kind of it, the trend. It seems is like first-time head coaches coming into a space and implementing their vision. When you have somebody who comes back after a year and. Um, uh, the media, you have a Gruden situation, or you have 
uh, Ron Rivera in Carol from Carolina to, to Washington. Like they haven't, they, they don't do anything. And it feels to me like retread. Um, and, and I'm not saying this is necessarily reflective of uh, a long time ago. Like I know that Carol is a retread coach, um, but that was uh, something that was a little that that's more reflective of now is that we need young blood in these coaching environments because they bring new vision and they bring new ideas uh, and they bring a, an ability to communicate with players in a different way. Uh, and I, I feel like even Peyton going to Sandy or San Diego, Los Angeles, the chargers, like, I don't think that that's a guaranteed home run. I don't think it's a guaranteed home run for anybody. And you have to, um, kind of uh, cope with giving up a first round draft pick. Yeah. Him. He's very expensive. Yeah, he could be. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, all reports, uh, New Orleans, um, grades him as like a uh, mid high round draft pick. Uh, first mm-hmm. round they draft should. Pick. Like that's what they're looking for. They yeah. Oh, I mean, they, there's, they, 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 there's, they, they have, they have no, they have no reason not to ask that or more, yeah. frankly. And if no team bites on that, then that keeps, you know, a uh, 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 head coach. I mean, you can call him a retread or you can call him proven or however you want to think about it, but that keeps them out of the league that they don't have to like play against, you know, don't worry so, about it. like, you know, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's like if somebody wants Sean Payton pony up, gonna cost you yeah yeah i uh i'd like to see what Payton could do you know he could be he he could uh you know not be a mediocre uh be a coach for a mediocre team or it could be andy reed you know all over again um you know andy reed was thought of that way too of like well maybe he had his time in philly and what has he done with them lately? And they let him go. And well, now he's, you know, coach of, you know, arguably the best team in the NFL. Getting fired from a professional sports team in Philadelphia is not necessarily a death sentence. For <laughs> um, either Andy Reid or Doug Peterson. You know, Apparently. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Now, uh, and now Doug Peterson, I'm, I'm happy for the Jags. I, I I was I've been rooting for Doug Peterson. I thought he was a that that he was a good coach for that uh, that franchise, and um, I'm I'm not all in on Trevor Lawrence yet. But uh, you know, when a quarterback can come back from that kind of mistake and win a playoff game, that takes some grit. Like that that's some guts. Um, I think yeah, from cool. uh, what from four interceptions to four, four touchdowns. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exciting. Yeah. That something. Yeah. Well, and it, and as a fan, it's fun. You know, we got a piece of that uh, in okay. that Green Bay championship game. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when Russ yeah. threw his own four picks. I thought it was five. Was it five? He threw it could five be wrong. Picks. Five picks? Five picks, yeah. Woof. Yeah. And then he came back to win it. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be Peterson versus Reed then in their yep. playoff, right? Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's the Super Philly fun. Bowl. and they were both fired kind of like unceremoniously it says here that peterson was fired from the eagles about over disagreements about his assistant coaching staff it's like that doesn't seem like a reason to fire a guy especially because he brought the super bowl 
I know. It, it, like firing people unceremoniously seems like their thing, you know. Like, yeah. uh, like, uh, who was their quarterback? Who's now in in Washington? Uh, Quince. Quince. And they Quince. it kind they of drafted, felt like he was fired unceremoniously too. They drafted Jalen Hurts, and I think they, um, I can't remember if there was like controversy where they wanted Peterson to play the GM wanted Peterson to play Hertz and or over Wentz and Peterson was like he's not ready you know and stuff like that and so I think Mm. there was like a butting of the head there and then there was also I think like I don't know I've I've followed Doug Peterson fairly closely and I know that like uh there was a few seasons in a row where he was desperate to get more receiver help and they were pretty much drafting every other position in the first few rounds, <laughs> but you know, and uh, yeah, so there was That's what happens when your coach and GM uh, aren't on the same page. Yeah. Um, uh, other games that uh, the, the, I thought the, maybe my favorite game of the weekend was um, Bengals Ravens. I thought that was a really fun game. Um, and uh, that fumble for a touchdown ended up being the longest fumble for a touchdown in playoff history, 98 yards. It was also the longest uh, play that changed the lead in the fourth quarter in NFL history. That's awesome. Yeah. That wild card weekend, man. You always get shit like that. I like it. I thought I, uh, it was. Uh, I thought the games were sensational this weekend, except for the the one that was on tonight. Um, uh, the you're, you're right. That Bengals Ravens game was great. I I kind of expected it to be a little less good because Huntley is just like uh, dollar store. Um, uh, yeah, dollar store Lamar Jackson. Um, I also didn't expect it that much from the Jacksonville. Um, uh, Chargers game, uh, but that game was absolutely thrilling uh, to watch, uh, you know, and watching the Chargers charger all over their charging oh charge, you know, it's just like it was it was a perfect Charger loss. Um, <laughs> and then uh, what was the other one? Um, oh, the Giants. York- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, the G-Men, the Giants, Danny Dimes, the game of his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just enjoyed the heck out of that. I'm still not sure I understand. There's a lot of stuff with the post show. Like his coach really didn't seem to be like excited about his play, but the rest of us were. And his ability to quarterback sneak and take every bent back position on the way to get there is just something to behold. I was so proud of the Giants. We talked about it before, you know, a couple weeks, was it two or three weeks before the end of the season? Sort of, you know, the Lions, the Giants, the Seahawks, who should end up in these playoffs? And, um, you know, at the time I was like, the Lions are the Giants. Um, And so to see the Giants get there and then succeed, just, I don't know, it just kind of feels like a win. Yeah, it, I just enjoyed that so much. That was the the paper tiger bowl for me. I was like, uh, I, either one of these teams is the paper tiger of the season, and uh, 
whoever loses, that's who it's going to be. And it turns out it was Minnesota. Well, it's going to be interesting because we've got three NFC East teams in the divisional and then the Niners. So it's like, who do I root for? And it's the two teams that I would consider rooting for are playing each other. Um, Because it's the Giants versus the Eagles, right? Yes. Giants and Eagles, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, like, and those teams hate each other deeply and desperately. Yeah. So that'll be a fun game. I hate both Cowboys and the Niners. And then on the other side of things, the Bengals and the uh, Bills are my two backup teams. And so watching them play each other and in like the DeMar Hamlin Bowl where Cincinnati has a legit um, uh, uh, reason to be upset that they this wasn't a coin flip, like to, to see who hosted it. They were, you know, it, they very well could have beaten the Bills and had they beaten the Bills, they would have been the two seed in this game and would have gotten to host the the, the matchup. So like- That is kind of weird that that wasn't- uh, But part of the agreement, or, yeah. Or played on neutral uh, neutral. That's grounds. what I'm saying. Yeah. That is weird. Yeah, I thought this was supposed to be played on a neutral field if it happened, but I guess I misunderstood the the if-then scenarios that would lead to the neutral field. I think the neutral field scenario only included the championship game. Yeah, the AFC championship game. Oh, and then because of the way the seating, whatever. You got to read that fine language. You got to read the fine print. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I feel like this. The express language in the written contract. The express (laughs) language in the written contract. I see. I see. Yes. Whatever the case, I'm bummed that um, uh, Sunday when that game is on, a friend of mine who I haven't seen since college is going to be in town. Uh, and wants me to tour around Seattle and she's never been here before. So I'm like, Oh, am I going to get to watch that game? I don't know if I will. (laughs) And that kind of sucks, but. That does kind of suck. They lobby. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson and his decision to sit that game out, which for my money was the correct uh, decision uh, considering, you know, he has no guaranteed contract coming up and why, you know, risk your life or your playing career, um, playing for a team that, you know, didn't give you a contract beyond this year. Um, it's funny because Michael Vick had made a comment about it of like, you put a brace on strap up and you play for your team. And then RG three, uh, posted, you know, a picture of him busting up his knee in that playoff game against Seattle and, and like, or you protect yourself and have a career, be, which is the thing I should have done. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I uh, I thought uh, I, I it's been talked about a little. It's been debated about a little bit in the media, but I think he I think he made the right choice. And I'm yeah, curious to see where fantastic. it goes from here. What's Huntley that? did a great job. That, oh, that, that's that the game thing. was not lost. Huntley is not by any stretch of the imagination uh, a, a top end starting quarterback in this league and i thought he hung in very admirably under the too. situation and and i'm not sure that a hobbled lamar jackson gives him that much more of a chance to win that game not based on what we saw this season i mean i know they yeah. they won more games with him but you know, and I feel like I feel bad for the guy that he has to defend himself by revealing everything about his exact injury and his level. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the 
I think it was the tweet that I saw where he's like, I have a level three sprain, borderline four sprain with fluid, like having to explain yourself to that level to have people understand. Now, I did find it interesting he didn't travel or any of these other things, right? So that that does make me feel a little less like he really wants to support the team. But he also shouldn't have to convince you shouldn't have to convince people that you can't play if you say you can't play. I, 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 I a thousand percent agree. And I feel like nothing proved all of this. My One of my favorite things about the weekend and watching certain players is J.K. Dobbins, who came back from, you know, his surgery and started playing this season. And trust me, as someone who, who drafted him high on their fantasy team, he did not play well. And he came, he said, you know what? I'm sorry. I need to have another surgery. I know no one's telling me to have another surgery. I'm telling you, I need to have another surgery. I have this scar tissue. Nothing feels right. I can't play to my level. I'm doing this. And he insisted on his own health care. He came back from that surgery and was absolutely the player he used to be. And he carried that team in this playoff game. So it just sucks how hard you have to advocate for your own health sometimes, mm-hmm. especially in at this level. I get it. You're Lamar Jackson and people want to know why you're not playing. But if he says he's not good to go, he's not good to go. Yeah. We have a tendency as fans, I think, to assume that the players owe us something mm-hmm. or owe their team something mm-hmm. uh, and that it's all uh, this sort of like you're going to fight for Seattle because they paid you once. Uh, and uh, I think it's total bullshit. And we're so wrapped up in this uh, kind of idea that these people are uh, superhuman um, and thus should be able to play through anything and do it for the love of the city. But like Gino Wilson's from Florida. Now, does he love Seattle? It sure seems that way. Um, but if he was injured, and in a serious way and couldn't and determined that he couldn't play, what does he owe us as fans? He doesn't owe us anything. Uh, and it's okay to like, and if you're a strong enough man in that scenario to step back and say, I know a bunch of people are going to be disappointed with me, uh, but I've got to take care of myself, then fuck. Yeah. I mean, like, look at what Tyler Lockett's doing in that regard where he, He's like, I didn't play well because my mental health was not in this context or in this game. But like he's talking so much about his mental health and and how he's um, uh, he's being really vulnerable in that regard. And like that's that to me is what he owes himself. And it makes me like him more. Mm-hmm. But we're so with, with Lamar Wilson, we need the proof or else we're going to hate him. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, right. it's disgusting. And it's like we're, we don't pay their salaries. I remember I remember last year being frustrated like good for you Russell Wilson that you think you should come back after your you know major surgery on your thumb but are you sure like are you sure Mm -hmm. and he probably came back a week too early to prove a point that didn't need to be proven yeah um and I asked with one of the other stories that uh I really was like happy to see was about Trevor Lawrence and his talk about mental health and that what he's learned and what's changed his gameplay this year is understanding that the it really is the mental game when you get to this level. So mm-hmm. he's like, you know, I could be the best physical 
quarterback, it doesn't matter if you mentally just can't handle what this game is in a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something Johnny Manziel learned the hard way. Yep. And uh, uh, the other one, uh, Tim Tebow. <laughs> yeah. Doug Peterson's really good about getting the shrinks involved and and other sort of counsel for his players he's, that's he's awesome that. and that comes him. from his time with andy reed too like that's yeah that's something that's followed him yeah andy reed yeah. invests in the whole whole man as does pete carroll i think as that's a pete big carroll. part of i think that's part of the reason it's funny that bill belichick doesn't um even though he gets players yeah i don't know anyway <laughs> Some people um, thrive in that environment. And if you can yes. put together a whole team of them, you can win. <laughs> the, the Patriots, I, I mean, honestly, are uh, a quarterback and an offensive coordinator away from being commanders again. I don't know why they rolled into this season without an offensive coordinator. That's like they gave it to Pat or Matt Patricia, the their old. Defensive They're all defensive coordinator. coordinator. Like it's just the, the amount of sheer arrogance, <laughs> unchecked arrogance that Belichick has, where he just like he has he is the, the GM. Like he's yeah, everything he there. It's just like, yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, fuck it. I don't want, you know, I don't, I don't need one with any like fancy schmancy offensive coordinator that's gonna leave me. I'm just gonna give it to Patricia. <laughs> he knows tight ends. I'll just uh amazing yeah um so uh, i don't know where where would do we want to do predictions uh for divisional round i don't think we need to do that all right i just want to know what your predictions are for the super bowl super bowl yeah um i think it is going to be Bengals 49ers mm. i think the Bengals are heating up at the exact right time yeah. I'm going to win that match probably the Niners. Uh I I think that it's going to be Bills I'm going to just say I'm going to say Bills Cowboys um and uh I think the Bills are going to crush them. I I think that I really fundamentally fundamentally believe that this is the bill season are the uh are the cowboys going to be the first team who replaces their kicker in the postseason <laughs> talk about a record you don't want four missed extra points as bananas i think he had a bad game yeah i do too i just don't know why you wouldn't go for two and then i don't know yeah, why totally <laughs> yeah, probably totally. because they were up 17 to nothing at that bar 16 sure. to nothing but i don't know why you put him out there again on the third try <laughs> yeah just, just at that start point, going just for, go two. for two your yeah. offense is doing fine yeah, yeah. totally <laughs> <laughs> you know i it's weird i i really want the the bills to, to be it but i maybe just to be contrary and throw out a different scenario i'm gonna go um chiefs giants Mm-hmm. oh wow yeah that'd be, that'd be kind of fun uh, i think that, that rust that is a very really giant gonna, thing to do right yeah i think rust is really actually going to impact the eagles quite a bit in this particular 
uh, matchup. Particularly with the quarterback, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I could totally see that. What's your thought, Curtis? Okay, I know who my rooting interest is. (laughs) I most definitely want the 49ers to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, And this is very selfishly as a Seahawk uh fan um the team the teams that get to the super bowl tend to struggle the next year and uh i want i want them to get battered up in that game and i'm gonna <laughs> say uh i'm gonna say 49ers chiefs rematch from a couple years ago and i could give two fucks which team wins just as long as the 49ers get banged up and exhausted and uh um are easier to contend with next year once we've drafted Jalen Carter. Oh man, all I want yeah. is Jalen Carter to uh to fall to the Seahawks at number five. Yeah. Probably won't good. happen, but like that's yeah, that's, be, that's how I'm gonna go be, with. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna say I'm, I'm I'm gonna go with the uh, I'm gonna go with a rematch of those two teams from a couple of years ago. I think Jalen Carter is going to go to Arizona and harass the Seahawks for the next uh, 10 years. Probably. Probably that's the case. I just want a replay of the Leon Lett Super Bowl. That's what I'm aiming for. <laughs> That'd be a great one. <laughs> yeah. What, so what did the Seahawks do this offseason? They, they're, they're not that many pieces away from being a solid contender. I don't think. I think I think they got to upgrade center um, and right guard, but center I think is the priority on the offensive line and um, definitely right just, guard as well. I feel like they they need to. Was I that Gabe? To, Gabe Jackson and Phil Haynes, and because they were rotating both players there, that tells me that Gabe Jackson is on his last legs, mm. and Phil Haynes wasn't good enough to overtake him but was just sort of spelling him and then weirdly enough um austin blythe was actually one of the best graded out players on the offense um by pro football focus over the game on saturday he had a near 80 score so he played pretty well and i still think i would love to see i would love to see seattle get I would love to see Seattle go out and actually acquire mm-hmm. like instead of draft the position there, that mm-hmm. would be a position like go get it, go get a solid bet. That's that's like legitimately like a top end, like veteran center on the market and stuff. But I feel like I feel I feel now that Geno Smith is a lock to come back um, yeah. on a multi multi-year deal. Um, I would guess probably either three or four years um i don't think i'm just gonna say my predictions i don't think that they're gonna draft a quarterback in the first round they might start taking shots as they get like in the mid rounds to draft and develop but i feel like i'm i i feel like everything that carol said today in his press Mm -hmm. conferences uh front seven is going to be the priority as it should be they'll 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 look to to free agency and the draft there that's going to be a linebacker and defensive line and i would not be shocked if seattle trades at a five to go a little bit further back in the top 10 and probably draft a player that they really like a lot who isn't Jalen Carter or 
the Will Anderson kid from Alabama, but they've got somebody else that they like in mind. And then they probably want to get about five picks in the top 50. That's, of- that's actually my prediction too. I think they're going to trade out a top five. I, I think, you know, those first four picks are pretty obvious and then it gets muddy after that. And so trading out of that top five um, and getting, you know, a few more, uh, and you can really reload the team, uh, especially, you know, uh, John Schneider is pretty good at finding diamonds in the rough, um, you know, getting players in second rounds and third rounds yeah. and fourth rounds um, who can be, you know, Tariq Woolen, fourth rounder, fifth rounder, fifth round, fifth round, just like Richard Sherman, you know, just almost the exact up. number of pick, like. They were like two picks off. That's wild. That's yeah. absolutely wild. Um, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen too. And then uh, I, I also see them um, really looking for, um, just like uh, when they went out and got uh, Cliff Averill and Mike Bennett, you know, like find those role players out there, free agency. You can give them a decent sized contract, but not break the bank. Um, load it up. I'm excited. I think that's all they need. I think the secondary works pretty well. Um, yeah, get some get some front seven. Maybe uh, go back to a scheme that works. They get some indications that that could be. I, I hope so. At least just see some heavier fronts, especially with the 49ers in our division. Yeah. Yeah and then upgrade the interior of that offensive line. I think that the, that teams really started picking on the interior of the offensive line later in the season when they saw they can exploit it and that it was kind of Geno's kryptonite Um, inside pressure was Geno's kryptonite. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if the first pick is actually an offensive lineman. If there's, you know, somebody there that they feel can be like an all pro guard and they can have some form of a, um, you know, like what they had with Walter Jones and Steve Hutchinson up front. And just, you know, that the best answer for the 49ers is just to throw out the best offensive line in football against them. Yeah. Well, I mean, given, you know, a talent like K9, just, you know, a road grade offensive line can't go wrong with that that'd be really fun to watch yeah i think they're pretty close be fun uh any other any other predictions for uh, the off season i'm gonna spend a lot of time watching the mariners especially if i can find a way to watch them not on root sports because <laughs> once once the season ends for the Seahawks, I don't care about it again until preseason because I <laughs> hate the conversation around contracts. I, uh, yeah. I'm, I love free agency. I, love I hate it so much. <laughs> I have a, a question that we don't have to yeah. dwell on, but it is uh, when can you or do you start negotiating like is there a grace period of any kind like could we offer gino a deal tomorrow he would sign it it would be done there's no reason that you have to wait we could offer gino that deal but i don't think we could offer another free agent yeah yeah internally they can they can sign anybody they want right now they could have done it through this course of the season right okay okay i was just wondering 
that. Um, I think uh, I think we sign Gino and uh, you know, if I have my way, we go get ourselves a good center. Yeah, Gino's definitely coming back. Both sides want it. Um, the mm. locker room wants it. Uh, yeah, he's coming back. Good for him. He deserves it. Yeah, I know. Uh, so this was the first year in history that the Seahawks and the Mariners play made the postseason at the same time, and our Kraken are well on their way to making the postseason as well. And man, oh man, that would be a lot of fun for Seattle sports fans. Um, the Kraken just got done sweeping a seven game road trip. That's the first time that's ever happened in NHL history. I think that's pretty exciting. They beat the NHL best uh, Boston Bruins on their home turf, served on their first home loss season. Also pretty exciting with a dominant 3-0 shutout win. Um, these Kraken uh, are looking pretty good. Got, got you know, top three offense in the league. Um, they're one of those teams that uh, they're not like, they don't do any one thing the best, but they do everything really well. And I think those are the kinds of teams that are built to win. Um, where you have no real weakness and you can kind of win a game from any direction. I think that's pretty fun. And I'm super excited about these Kraken. Yeah, for a second year team, especially, it's just really uh, exciting to see how they're doing and uh, <coughs> how much it's pissing off other cities. <laughs> I'm actually super excited about the crack. And once football closes down, um, I might make the jump to root sports finally, just to watch uh, a, a team that I can jump on the bandwagon for that isn't a football team. Yeah, we uh, we're <laughs> we're going to start our Fubo subscription. Oh, that's right. You can do it that way too, right? You can, but I will tell you that Fubo is just as expensive as cable. So it really just comes down to what kind of internet connection you have or need and who you get it from. But if you want to have root sports on Fubo, you know, it, it's the same as Xfinity, honestly, at the end of the day, it's, so it's get close. It's close. You might save a little with Fubo. That's what we've been figuring out in our I house. hated Fubo. I hated how it worked. Like oh, the good. system was so bad for me that I chose to go to YouTube um, because Fubo sucked so hard. Oh, um, uh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. No, that's okay. We've been doing Sling and it took me a while to get okay with Sling. And we got something that incorporates outside uh, the broadcast channels into Sling because they don't come mm -hmm. with it. Uh, so that helped instead of having to jump around. Yeah, it's all. Oh, man. They don't make it. It sounds easy. like uh, for baseball, the blackout rules are probably going to be massively changed this coming year. Mm. So uh, there's a possibility that uh, one could get the MLB TV uh, situate extra innings, innings or whatever and be able to watch Mariners games in Seattle. Um, so I'm, I'm I know that they're working really hard on that. I don't see why Root Sports would be against that, to be perfectly honest, because they're going to get a cut of it like that right. that would be you know but um 
whatever the case, like I'm crossing my fingers for that because I would get that. Uh, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna switch to CenturyLink or whatever is required to access Root TV Root Sports because YouTube TV is by far, in my experience, the best option for a cable package uh, in terms of ease of use and quality of product. Yeah. Is Fubo the only streaming network that has Root? Yes. Yeah. Sports? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only way to do it, and. As somebody who has ESPN plus the blackout rules for uh, NHL are bullshit. Like, don't tell me I can watch it on these other outlets only to tell me that even though the game is sold out, you still won't allow it to be on this other platform that I could watch anywhere else. Just not here in market. Like that's right. These rules are ridiculous. I know. So if I was living in Atlanta, Georgia, I'd be able to watch the Kraken game, but mm-hmm. I can't watch the Kraken game on ESPN Plus if I live in the that makes no sense to me. Yeah. I know. Well, the Kraken was super fun to watch. Uh, so join me in uh, in in hopping on that bandwagon, Curtis. I uh, I uh, occasionally watch them on the internet through pirated means. Yeah. But I have no volume. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I try not. To. And my wife thinks I'm watching porn when <laughs> when, there's, when there's no volume. So, but no, I'm actually watching Kraken without any volume. Pirate. <laughs> I want to tell her because I don't want her yelling at me that I'm going to give her a virus. <laughs> Crazy. Like I already have before in the past. Have you ever tried like? Uh using a vpn and you know setting your settings to another city out of market and see if that works i don't have a vpn but i'm sure it would i bet it would i know devin tried that once and and it we just ended up going down a rabbit hole trying to make it happen so <laughs> yeah we're not set up correctly for it i'll tell i i know that much <laughs> yeah I felt less bad about the idea of doing that since I was like, look, I pay for ESPN plus. You're just telling me I can't watch a game I couldn't go to in person. It's sold out. Anyway, go Kraken. Root sports, but go Kraken. Super fun. They're they're solidly in uh, second place and they have a real shot at overtaking the Vegas Golden Knights for first. They lost, uh, the Kraken lost today, but so did the Vegas Golden Knights. So uh that's good news yeah the crack played an early game today too right they yeah did. they were in and tampa like, or were they here no they're here, they're here. they mm-hmm. you know they spent yesterday traveling and so they haven't even really had 24 hours off of a rest, very so. long road trip off of a very long road trip so i already scratched today's game off as a loss i was just like but this yeah. team is gonna be dog tired and yeah. it looked they like lost it. four like, to one yeah, they 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 look dog tired, and they were playing a good team. Um, yeah, they play again tomorrow, and then uh, I can't remember. Then they get a day off, and they play another game, and then they get like four days off or something like that. So they're just trying to make it out. They're just trying to get through the week. Um, but you know, yeah, maybe a day and a half worth of rest will give them a a fighting shot tomorrow. Um, but go cracking. You're looking real good, showing showing it up in that second year. I like it. It's exciting to watch. And that Manny Bediners is good at 
good at hockey. Back that kid. Yeah, he's a good kid. He's going to be a good one. He's going to be a good one. I know. Yeah. Um, Should we dork out about some stuff? Sure. Let's dork out. Curtis, what, what, what are we dorking out about? Uh, in terms of uh, what I've been viewing, I um, last night we had a great family movie night where uh, the three of us, uh, my wife and I and our uh, four-year-old kid sat down and watched um, The Bad Guys. Mm-hmm. Are you with this one? That's huh? a, has, has he read the books? Uh, he's, he's read the, um, uh, a couple of them that aren't that one, but by the same Mm. author, the, uh, um, piranhas don't eat bananas. And, uh, I feel like there's another one that was read to him a few times at his school, but he, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't into a movie night, but once he started sort of sitting down and watching the whole thing, he was just captivated. It was, uh, um, Deb, the two of you seen this one? It's a real solid movie. Say and I went, uh, I want to say opening weekend. Um, yeah, I saw it uh, as well. And I think it was one of the funniest and more delightful things I saw last year. I have not seen it. But well, you should. You should check it out. Uh, you should. It's uh, it's my favorite animated movie since uh, the Spider Verse film came out. Oh dang! Like it, that's, that's really solid. That's uh, it's for the kids and it's for the grownups. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Like it really mm-hmm. embraces what it is, and it's not uh, attempting realism in any way. Like that's what I think distanced it's distanced it from some of the other. Um, uh more modern animations where it's it's intentionally cartoonish and it leans in to that cartoonishness which is another thing that made uh into the spider-verse so great uh and mm-hmm. also if you haven't seen mitchell versus the machine that's another one where the cartooniness is ratcheted to 11 and it's phenomenal that's another great one highly recommend I just saw that for the first time within like the last two weeks, Devin and I watched it and um, yeah, I loved it. And I loved how they incorporated multiple kinds of animation within it. Um, and the story itself is fantastic. So Mitchell's mm. versus the machines for sure. All right. Nice. I haven't heard of that one either. That sounds great. I, uh, 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 I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. This is what I'm dorking out about though. I've been uh, I've been watching. uh, I've been waiting for the reviews for The Last of Us, um, which is an HBO show based on the video game series, which takes place during zombie apocalypse. Excellent, excellent video game series, maybe the best narrative video game series. Um, And uh, and I'm always a little bit wary about like TV shows and movies based around video games because a lot of times they kind of like get it wrong that, you know, the two storytelling mediums are wildly different what you have to do. Uh, But the reviews coming out from The Last of Us are real, real, real good. So I'm excited to dive in and watch it. It is tremendous. Uh, I love it. Uh, Uh, That's what I was waiting for. It, it it and um it was created by Craig Mazin who made the Chernobyl TV show 
Um, it, oh, so which is fantastic. Own, and co-created by Neil Druckmann, who made the video game. Uh, so the original creator is very hands-on. The biggest negative feedback it's gotten has been from white supremacists because they're Shocking. casting, you know, uh, um, Sarah is played by a, a Tandy Newton's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and then uh, there are other characters who have had their um, uh, racial identity switch, switched in some way or another, including, I think, Pedro Pascal mm-hmm. uh, and Gabriel Luna, who plays Tommy. Um, I I thought it was I thought it was tremendous. I really liked it, and I haven't played the game because I don't have a PlayStation. I'm looking forward to it. So I just wanted to say that I am dorking out on the fact that uh, uh, I'll, I'll just do two things because I was going to say The Last of Us. My kid had her first fencing tournament today. Um, that's why I've got the picture, and she's been working so hard. Uh, and it was just like an in-class tournament. And she lost her first match um, uh, at three to five, but her goal was to score one point. Um, and then she won her second match. Uh, and then she lost her third match three to five. Um, so she went in there wanting to uh, notch one hit, and she notched 11. Uh, and I just think that it's awesome that she's found something that she's a physical activity she's so engaged with. Uh, and it's not something that I would have ever picked for her, but she's thrilled by it. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, this is more of a like um, plea that's also part of dorking. Please don't get the Hogwarts Legacy game. Please don't pay any money to J.K. Rowling. Please don't pay any money to the company that made that game because it was a bunch of white supremacists who don't like Jews. Uh, and uh, they actively were in the in the development process uh, creating a narrative that was anti-Semitic. Uh, and uh, if there's anything that impacts my family, it's hate towards Jews and hate towards trans people. Uh, and uh, there's a great tweet that is being circled around, which is Hogwarts Legacy isn't a game. It's a character test, and a lot of people are about to fail it. So I don't want to talk about Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling all the time, and so if you don't get that game, then maybe we don't have to talk about it. Uh, and that would be awesome for everybody involved. So don't play that game. What's this game? A Hogwarts Legacy. It's about, it's the uh, the Wizarding okay. World of Harry. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It's not an MMO. It's uh, Assassin's Creed and Hogwarts. But it's not parkour. Got it. Got it. You're playing through a narrative. It's it's a narrative narrative story where you have a lot of option opportunity to interact with the world, and it's about a goblin rebellion, um, which is where the anti-Semitism comes in really hot, because mm-hmm. um, goblins are like treated very poorly. So and orcs, the or, orcs are or whoever run the run the banks. I forget if it's goblins or orcs. It's goblin. are, okay, but they're a stand-in for. Because J.K. Rowling is also an anti-Semitist. Don't play that game. Don't give them any money. Please. (laughs) I wasn't going to... I had actually forgotten that game was even coming out. That's good to know. Uh, Millie, what are you talking about? Well, I... if, If you have listened to this podcast this long and this late, I am here to deliver some somewhat sad news. 
which is that this will be our last dorking because this will be our last episode. We have, uh, as a group, decided that uh, we've had a great run and we've had a lot of fun. And for those of you who have come on this journey with us, thank you so much. But as a group, we have decided to take time away um, and to uh, close the chapter on Doors on Sports. Who knows what's to come for any and all of us uh, in the future with podcasts. But for right now, that's the decision that we've made. So I want to dork out over this podcast. I um, First and foremost, I want to say thank you to Curtis, who uh, brought this group of dorks together with an idea and I still remember many, many years ago having a conversation with Curtis, um, I believe in the knife room of the now uh, defunct Cafe Nordo, mm -hmm. um, discussing his idea for doing a Seahawks podcast. And would I like to maybe come on once in a while? I could be the fantasy person, talk fantasy football. I said, I would love that. Absolutely. I love the Seahawks. I love you and I love fantasy football. I'm in. And, um, you know, a year later, uh, I was sitting at a table with three other dorks and Curtis had come up with a really solid idea of bringing some things that we all cared about and loved together. Um, first and foremost, being the Seahawks, but also being Seattle sports, sports in general, and what it was like to be a um, Seattle-based performing artist who liked all of those things and finding it's a, a very, way to marry it's very that. niche. It was very niche. It is very niche. <laughs> um, we have had some amazing guests, which might be some of my favorite episodes. Mm -hmm. I actually think our last two episodes have been two of our best ones. Yeah, <laughs> so honestly. we're going out on a high. We are. So um, Alana... Dan, Curtis, thank you for um, for being such a wonderful base. Um, I love our chats. I love talking to you. I don't think that is probably going anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, we're, and I hope everyone is able to, to take this time with their family and their lives. <laughs> um, but just thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And to our 12s of listeners, um, especially those of you, and I know there are a few who really have listened to all or almost all of these podcasts. Um, thank you. Thanks for giving us your time. Thanks for believing in us. Thanks for leaving us messages on Facebook. Like it means the world. It's just been an absolute pleasure and thrill to do this. Yeah. And I just wanted to say one thing to kind of, uh, uh, caboose on that, which is this, this, uh, social interaction, this weekly social interaction we've had over the last two years really pulled me out of a deep funk uh, as a result of the pandemic, uh, having some way to like talk to people that I had seen in real life and not just people uh, on the internet or, or like in Facebook comments or whatever. Um, uh, you know, the, given the fact that we started this right before the 2021 season, Rhett led, uh, rode through the last year of Russell Wilson and the first year of Geno Smith, uh, and we're able to, you know, talk to and create community with each other along the way. That's, uh, that was special for me. And I, I appreciate having um, y'all in my lives to, to be there for that. I agree. Um, uh, yeah, I, I uh, you know, 
the one thing about sports is that it connects, right? It connects people. Um, and, um, and I think that's something this podcast did, uh, not just for me and my friendships with the three of you, uh, but, you know, for the 12s of listeners out there. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I hope you all feel connected uh, to us in the same way. Um, you know, uh, uh, I can't speak for everybody, but if you're listening, you're not following me on social media, feel free to follow me on social media. I like to do uh, um, live chats of sports when they're going on, and um, that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a good run, and I've had a, a hell of a time. This was a, I mean, just as a Seahawks fan, this is one of my favorite seasons, and I've been watching the oh, Seahawks yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And this is one of my favorite seasons uh, as a Seahawks fan. Um, and it's been fun covering that on this podcast. Yeah, this is, I mean, I've been a diehard Seahawks fan since the early 80s. And this has probably been one of the most enjoyable seasons that I've had. And maybe, I mean, definitely since probably... I would say 2014, 2014, 2015, sort of thing like that. After a while, I feel like the when the LLB started to sort of fizzle out a bit, mm -hmm. these seasons started to feel a little bit more dogged. But this one... The same? Yeah, this one was really just, for me, was about um, just sort of a rebirth of the program mm -hmm. and like um, getting back to the DNA of drafting and developing and, um, you know, being the underdog. I mean, the classic sort of like, it's more fun to be the hunter than the hunted, you know, in, in sports. It's, it's more fun to go after the teams that are expected to win as opposed to being got after, you know, and, it was fun to see players that nobody had any expectation. Like there was players on this team that became pro bowl players uh, that none of the pundits, none of the fans, most of the fans didn't have any expectations of them playing to the level that they did. And that was super exciting. Yeah. Um, Including by the way, some of our biggest free agency pickups like Echenna Nuosu. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think anybody expected him to have the season that he did. Man, he he blew up. He had he played great. Nine and a half sacks, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and he played great again against that 49ers team. Yeah. And seeing Bruce Irvin come back, you know, and he's gonna finish his career in Seattle. That's I, I just love that all those old LOB guys are coming back to finish their career. And I think more of them would have if they were given the opportunity. I think Richard Sherman absolutely would have. And Michael Bennett said he wanted to, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he just wasn't given the contract, but I love seeing that. And, uh, and that's a nice bridge. And, and I just want to thank, way, I just want to thank each one, one of you for uh, saying yes to this project and being a part of this thing. And, 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 and it really was sort of a niche thing that I was kind of hoping would happen. And I think we absolutely nailed it. It was, um, and we did it with four very different personalities, giving each their own perspectives on thing, but also kind of coming from similar places too in this 
whole Seattle theater community to which we've all been a part of um, and being, you know, diehard sports fans. So, um, you know, it's been, it's been, it's been fun putting this together and sharing this to uh, the listening audience uh, that we have had over the past year. And um, yeah, uh, this, 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 this was a really cool experience to be a part of with the three of you. So thank you for being a part of this. Yeah, and thank you uh, all, all 12 of you out there for listening. Um, <laughs> I think we have uh, like 20 subscribers on, on, on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> when I last time I looked, maybe 24, I don't know. We've, we've doubled the number. And we do. Are just my, my, my ghost accounts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I really think I do. I, we do this for us, right? Like, I think that that's, that's an important thing to remember. And and if people listen to it and enjoy it, that's even better. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, I just like hearing myself talk. So, okay, uh, <laughs> you do it. Um, so on that note, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's been great. Uh, and uh, and I I look forward to uh, seeing the Seahawks go to the Super Bowl next year. So huh? Gino's going to win a Super Bowl for the city of Seattle, and it's going to be the best story in sports in 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 a decade. It's going to be awesome. I firmly believe that's going to happen. I we'll go too. back to back: Mariners World Series, Seahawks Super Bowl, and Man, then back to back, the, uh, and then. Rockin' with Shane Wright and Stanley Cup and Rookie of the yeah. Year oh, this year. It's gonna be so good. All right, hey, if you're listening out there, you should uh, you should check out Curtis's blog, twelfthlife.com. Um, he, he won't be back here every week, but uh, he'll he'll be writing the blog. You should you should read it. Um, you know, and uh, I, I invite you give me a follow on social media if you wanna if you wanna find me. Um, you're not my friend already. Send me a friend request. I'll I'll uh, I'll answer it. One last time, my name is Daniel for Curtis Milialana, The rest of the twelves saying goodbye and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.